On today's show, as each playoff series changes location after two games, we take a look at which teams need to make the biggest changes, including if home court will be enough for the Mavericks to extend their series against the Suns, if the mm. 76ers should start planning their offseason, how the Warriors can contain John Morant, and much more on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday on Locked on NBA, your daily podcast on the NBA. However, you may be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for making Locked on NBA first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mares. We're recording this on a Thursday in which the NBA takes its collective breath. We're two games into every series, and uh, teams are taking the day to travel to their respective locations for games three and four and so we'll take a step back and take stock of how every team has played and provide some unsolicited advice on how they can either get back into their series or close it out. But before we do that, Adam, we just got word that the NBA is indeed suspending Dylan Brooks for Game 3 in Golden State on Saturday. Mm. Are you surprised by the decision? <laughs> Not at all. I, I mean, I thought a one-game suspension was the... the the minimum, like it was yeah. a lock that it was going to at least be that. You thought maybe they would go with two. And to be honest, I think they would have been justified in two. Here's the thing. I don't think Dylan Brooks was trying to hurt. I know everybody has litigated this and relitigated it. So this is like mm -hmm. the hundredth time people will hear this. I don't think he was trying to hurt him, but he was reckless. And recklessness to me is just as bad because players do get hurt. I feel bad for Gary Payton. What a great story he yeah. has been this season. He is a guy that was not a lock to make a roster to get a roster spot. Then he's in the rotation. And here he is having... A, a fantastic he made an impact in that first round series against Denver making an impact in this in this one and was especially going to be making an impact should the Warriors advance to the next round and take on the Phoenix Suns and the fact that all of that has kind of been taken to him and he's a guy that has not yet received his big payday you hate to see an injury like that so I'm not at all surprised and if anything I could have seen it being a harsher penalty I'm with you. Um, I don't know that it even matters what the intent was. And there's a lot of people trying to psychoanalyze Dylan Brooks and kind of figure that out. It doesn't matter. He was reckless and you can't do that. You just can't. Uh, and there is a human element to the Gary Payton, the second story. I mean, this is a guy who was toiling in the G League for years and didn't look like he had any path to an NBA roster right. anytime soon. I mean, this is a guy he's getting up there in age, right? Like the clock was ticking on his career, um, but found a spot in Golden State, beat out Avery Bradley in training camp and ended up starting in a playoff game for them. And it was an incredible story. And then from an X's and O's standpoint, he was there. He was starting because they needed somebody to play on Ja Morant uh, to defend him. And obviously Ja has done a lot of damage to Golden State's defense in this for, in this in this series so far. But um, that's kind of where we go with this now. The Warriors and Grizzlies have split both of these games. Uh, it felt like, you know, the, the Grizzlies were a layup away from being up 2-0, but it also felt like the Warriors were like <laughs> yeah. maybe a two-minute stretch in the fourth quarter of not getting any shots to go in, of being up 2-0. It feels like, the, like, and I guess we're right where it should, it should be, right, is 1-1 right. uh, as it heads back to San Francisco Saturday uh, for Game 3. What is your unsolicited advice for the Memphis Grizzlies to try to win a game in California? I mean, I don't really have a great one. I know this is one you came up with, yeah. and I could certainly go along with it. Um, but you talked about I don't know. Do you want to share your perspective on this one? It's just to keep attacking. I think my main takeaway from the first couple Grizzlies-Warriors games was, like, 
I know that the Grizzlies did most of their damage and, and, and basically won game two by having John Morant just get downhill and attack relentlessly the Warriors' defense. Yeah. Uh, but it just felt like he could have done more. Here's a crazy stat for you. John Morant is averaging 25 drives f- per game in each of the first two games per second spectrum. That would be by far the lead, uh, the leader in the regular season uh, in the NBA. And yet, I still think that there are more opportunities for him to just attack and get downhill because the Warriors are giving him like six feet of distance. Right. They're giving him like on the perimeter while he's out there. They're treating him like he's Russell Westbrook now or Tony Allen back then. Uh, and my big thing with John, Allen, he's not like this version of Russell Westbrook. He's not the old version of Tony Allen. This is a guy who, if you give him like six feet of just runway to get to his first, right. second, and third step, I mean, that's why he was able to just continually beat you in the fourth quarter. I thought that that defensive strategy was a little weird by the Warriors, but if they're going to keep giving it to him, that's why he's settled for, what was it, 11 and then 12 three-point attempts. I'm like, get those three-point attempts down. Just keep attacking. That's what's been working for you. So that's my my main advice is just attack, attack, attack. Go for it. If he makes the three, I mean, he's had some timely threes, especially in first quarters, which I think is if a team's going to go to that defense against you and you start the game three for three, like that makes a team second guess their game plan. It makes a team a little bit uncomfortable with it. But I'm with you. One of the differences when you are a player like a Westbrook or a John Wall or a John Morant or a Derrick Rose or any of these guys, if teams are going to dare you to shoot, there's a reason they are doing that. You have to be willing to take it, but you can't settle for it. You have to mm-hmm. pick your spots of when to go for it. I think John Morant has done a great job. And by the way, I, I expect, first of all, I expect the Warriors to change up their defensive game plan. I don't think they stick to that the way they did in game two. But Gary Payton is the guy that is best equipped to guard him. So losing him, again, makes a big impact even on this series. He was their defensive ace out on the perimeter. How do you think they should change the Warriors? How do you think they should change their starting lineup? Because obviously Gary Payton was starting. Right. Uh, we saw them go in the second half of game one with Jordan Poole. That yeah. was with Draymond having been kicked out of that game. Um, I'm, I would be a little hesitant to start you know, Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, and then probably Wiggins and Draymond. Uh, against Memphis because that's just that's a little that's a lot of offense sure but it's, it's not quite enough defense and we saw the Grizzlies have a lot of success attacking Jordan Poole defensively Absolutely. I don't know if I would start there oh I don't think you start there to be honest with you I'm not even sure you go there this is the crazy thing you probably yeah. play in spurts but they bludgeoned Denver in games one and two it was the first time anybody had seen that lineup and Jordan Poole was amazing he, he shot the ball incredibly well I think it caught Denver off guard in games three four and five in that series Denver I thought kind of solved that lineup. They played it yep. even, outplayed it in some games, barely you know, got outscored in others. And so you look at that and say that wasn't a big advantage. Now you get into this Memphis series. You have five-game scout on what that lineup does and where the weak points are, as you mentioned, Jordan Poole defensively. And now teams are going at it. I don't know that that is even, forget a death lineup, I'm not sure it's the advantage that you originally even thought it, it, it right. could be throughout this whole run. So I'm with you in a series like this where Memphis is going to put pressure on you, especially from the perimeter, you have to have some balanced lineups out there. And I don't know if that lineup is. When you talk about the close of game two, when they when they went smaller, which went to that lineup down the stretch, I thought they have to score every time because they're not going to get a lot of stops. And they mm-hmm. missed a couple threes. I mean, Clay, t- first of all, Steph Curry banked in a three. He should have gone one for three on open threes. He ended up going yeah. two for three, um, but he banked one in. And even just missing the one is one of those situations where you go, you can't do that. You got to keep pace with them. Here's an idea. 
why don't you just go with the normal starting lineup that you had the entire season? Start yeah. Kevon Looney. I actually thought he's been pretty solid in this series so far. You could just go Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Looney. I, yeah. Just do that. You're at home. Kevon Looney's comfortable there. I, Here's I, you don't. This, I, no, none of this. Not, I, I've seen. I've, I'm with you. I've seen enough of this three guard stuff. I actually think it's hurting them at this point. Right. Right. It just. It's. This is where it was tough that they didn't have this all year because you probably yeah. work out some of the. You figure out who you are and you figure out where you're weak and 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 you play with that throughout the regular season. They didn't get that luxury this year. Right. Um. But that's not my advice for them. My advice for them is actually. One of the interesting stories about the Golden State Warriors and the Steph Curry era, and I really should say the Steve Kerr era because this is a Steve Kerr thing, mm-hmm. he really believes in their system, as do I. It's a great system. It's the They're the only team in the NBA that plays the way that they play, and it works for them. I think you have to be malleable, though. You have what works for you, but you have to be willing to take advantage of weaknesses on the other team or just or, or, or go at guys that are vulnerable, especially if those guys are major impact players which brings me to John Morant, not a good defensive player. The Warriors, for some reason, don't seem to want to take advantage of that fact. And John Morant is so key to them in this series on Mm -hmm. the other end, obviously offensively, 46 points in this last game, that if you can just, one, make him guard, put him him on an island and see if he can stay with Steph Curry without fouling, um, stay with Jordan Poole without fouling, make him defend, run him through screens up at the top of the key, make him defend, I think you have to do that. Go away from not go away from your system entirely, but you have to pick your spots where you feel like John Moran is most vulnerable and make him defend. And maybe he fouls out. Maybe he goes from scoring 46 points to 32 points because he has to guard, spend so much more energy on defense. I think Steve Kerr has to go a little bit away from his principles and, and take advantage of what's in front of him. If they're attacking John Morant the way that you're talking about in games one and two, then John Morant isn't almost stealing that game in game one because he's just going to the basket relentlessly over and over and over again for those last three minutes. And he's not doing what he did in the last five or six minutes of game two where he was just unstoppable, right? Right. And so that's part of it, uh, attacking him on that end of the floor. And, you know, I, 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 when I was doing Locked on Warriors, I talked to, I spent many an episode talking about sort of the orthodoxy of Steve Kerr and whether, and, you know, should he just be running more straight pick and roll with Steph and Draymond and stuff, especially when they were bad and missing the playoffs and all that kind of conversation? We don't need to rehash it, but you're absolutely right that he is pretty reluctant to to kind of switch things up. And I do think that you don't have that luxury anymore. You're not the dynasty warriors. You don't have Kevin Durant. You can't just run your system like this is now a, a, a your these are the playoffs and, you know, adjustments series to series and within series really do matter. Um, and there needs to be some there needs to be maybe a little bit more of an evolution there. To be um, clear, I, th- I really support Steve Kerr's commitment to their system because I think I it's too. the best possible system of basketball and they have the guys that can do it. The thing is, one, you don't have the defensive backbone that you once did. Yeah. With Gary Payton, you kind of had lineups that you could go to that, but I don't think anymore, and, and not to the degree that you used to. So now you have to look at, okay, we are vulnerable to a player like Ja. How do we make an impact on him? And this is where you just have to be malleable. So I, I appreciate and respect the commitment. But yeah. in this instance, I don't think you have the horses to pull that off. You might as well take advantage of the gift that is being given to you <laughs> in this bad isolation defender. My advice for the Warriors is to kind of going back to how you defend John Morant, just trap him a little bit more, especially if you're not going to have Gary Payton in there uh, as a as a you know dominant type of one-on-one defender. You're going to have to you know go by committee. And this is another thing with Steve Kerr. He's not a guy who wants to trap a whole lot, right? Like they want to they want to switch. They want to have their assignments and all those things. I think you need to show John. It doesn't have to be the whole game, but you got to show him a few different looks. And for God's sake, try to get him to go right. 
I mean, he's just getting right. left anytime he wants. Right. What is that Sports Illustrated story about his left arm is like the length of Hassan Whiteside or something, and his right arm is like a little bit shorter? Like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but it, it's just like they had no answer for him at all, and right. uh, and they couldn't get him to not go left. So just try some different things on him because whatever they're doing right now, just playing off of him by six feet, that's not working, right? It's just the right. Tony Allen treatment's not working by itself. Um, all right. Coming up next, we'll talk about the two games happening tonight and if the Sixers have any chance at all of coming back against Miami, even if Joel Embiid returns. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags. If your kids, you can put them in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everybody has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. And the best part about Built Bar is that they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. And with Built Bar, you can have both. It's easy. And all you have to do is go to built.com and order right now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And if you haven't tried the Built Puffs yet, you're missing out. We are going crazy for the puffs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. You can sign me up for that. And if that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to get the mixed box. The mixed box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs, so you could try everything. Built Bars, uh, make sure that there is something for everybody. And uh, my favorite flavor by the way, is the uh, any of the fruit ones that are covered in the chocolate, raspberry, orange, they have all of them, uh, strawberry, those are all my favorites. Uh, mo- most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and have 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, Built Bars are a clear winner. So go to built.com to get all of your favorites, banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at built.com and use the offer. Go to built.com and use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off on your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. For your next listen, make sure to check out the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies gives fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, he's got big boards. It's free. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Let's shift gears to real, the Eastern Conference. Real quick, Conference. Though, oh, real quick yeah. Wes, I'm scrolling the timeline here as you're doing the ad read, and I see that Stephen Adams was back at Grizzlies practice today, so he will be available. At, look, I don't know if he'll be available, but he's back at practice, which when you're in health and safety protocols, they won't let you back until you obviously are, right. are out of the protocols. So there's there's an update for you. Some A bit of news there coming down. Breaking news here on a podcast. Um, yeah, that could help the Grizzlies, I think. Just gives them another option. Um, all right. Let's shift gears to the Eastern Conference. The Heat lead the 76ers 2-0 as that series goes back to Philadelphia. The Sixers, of course, have played this series so far without Joel Embiid. Still no word yet on whether or not he will be available tonight. Um, but based on the last reporting that we've gotten, Adam, he recently FaceTimed with Doc Rivers. That was the first time he's been able to use his phone in quite a while because his eye was so sensitive to the light, of course, coming mm. off of that orbital bone fracture. Mm. Uh, that doesn't seem great. Um, especially considering arenas are full of lights and camera phones taking pictures of you and all these things. So 
Um, unclear if he'll be back for game three. Some, you know, conflicting reports coming out of Philly, whether or not he'll be available. So we'll see. Oh. But it might not matter at this point, given that the Heat are already up 2-0, and that at the very least, the Sixers would have to win four of the next five or whatever it yeah, would be. So that that's That's really tough. Do you have any unsolicited advice for the 76ers? I mean, we settled on more Maxi, and I kind of like this one. Yeah. I mean, James Harden has had a couple game, good games now in the playoffs. For a while there, you thought maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he wouldn't have great, great games. But right. he's had a couple now. And But I still look at this and I go, I'm with you. This is an un- unfortunate break for the 76ers. It really is. Because I think this would have been a very competitive series. And yeah. I think the 76ers had a real chance in this one. Going down 0-2, who knows? I do want to see what you have in Tyrese Maxey. Not because you're punting on the season. This is not a like, well, let's see what we have with the young guys. He might already have established himself as a guy worth playing through in this series and, and tilting things in your advantage. And then on top of that, it would be nice to just kind of know like, hey, what if what if we just move the scales a little away from Harden and towards Maxey? Where is the limit right now? Mm-hmm. Not next year. Where's the limit right now on how much of a load he can handle? Uh, I think that would be worthwhile and provides a nice auxiliary benefit, even if you do end up losing the series. Yeah, I mean, the Heat clearly have an answer for James Harden. He's been okay in these first couple of games. Not great, um, but they've had success kind of having P.J. Tucker picking him up full court, throwing a couple different bodies at him here and there, and he hasn't killed them, right? But Tyrese Maxey went off for 32 points in Game 2, and the Heat had no answer for his speed, and I don't know that that answer exists on the roster right now. And so... If, if you're Philadelphia, you're in a corner right now. You are desperate. And there might be loyalty to James Harden and, you know, respect that you have to pay the veteran all-star future Hall of Famer. Like, okay, we run through you. Maybe, like you said, you start tilting things more in the direction of Tyrese Maxey because if you can get him out in transition, running, and just sort of running plays towards him, through him, whatever you got to do, I think more Maxey could help the 76ers do something, right? Because whatever they've been doing now without Joel Embiid hasn't really worked. Again, maybe unfair to expect anything to work without your best player right, on right. a top-heavy roster, but you got to try something. And I've heard a lot of Sixers fans say, you know, st- you got to stop starting DeAndre Jordan. You got to play small more. That's the obvious one, to be honest. Like, the, the DeAndre Jordan experiment needs to end, but that's the well, obvious There's no one. better options. It's like, okay, put Paul Reed in there. He hasn't been good either. Paul Mills, yeah, right, I put right. him in there. He hasn't been any good either. You want to play small? You want to put Niang and Tobias Harris at the five? Good luck doing that for 48 minutes. Yeah, you can do it for stints, but you can't do it for forever. Although I got to right. say, Niang, he can shoot better than this. Yeah. This is the thing. They, they have thing. not when made you, shots. When you put Niang out there, it's like, of course you're not going to be elite defensively if he's playing the big, if he's the rim protector. But he really does present problems the other way. He just has not been very, very hot of recent, so... Well, that's kind of what goes that that leads me to my unsolicited advice for the Miami Heat. Don't worry so much about James Harden because there are so many there were <laughs> in game two, there were so many, and that was like that sounds disrespectful to James Harden. I, I guess love it. This is I just Harden. heard it. Your your advice for Philly, stop going through Harden. Your advice for Miami, <laughs> stop worrying about Harden. I love it. This is slander I can get behind. <laughs> Segment two is just labeled just diss James Harden as much as possible. <laughs> um no, I just the Heat were like throwing like three bodies at James Harden at times, and he was making the right pass, making the right read, and getting it to shooters like Niang, uh, Danny Green. Like these guys, you're right, they don't shoot this poorly usually, but they just have been in this series so far. Um, I don't really know the reason. The shots were good, they were open looks, right. they just missed a bunch of them. Um, and I do wonder, like, there, there are a couple indicators here. I'm not really worried about the Heat losing this series at this point. 
um, given that they have a 2-0 lead on this thing. But um, a couple indicators that are a little worrying is just how many good three-point shots the Sixers have gotten. They've talked about it in post-game, like saying, you know, if we make a few different looks, if we if we make a few of these shots, you know, maybe this is a different series. But um, you can't you can't just completely sell out on James Harden the way that they have been anymore. Right. They've got enough like good one-on-one defenders where you can handle James Harden, throw the occasional double at him, do what you need to do if he's getting some early dribble penetration. But you got to close out on these shooters because eventually, as the series goes back to Philadelphia, these guys are going to start making shots, and you can't let that happen. I agree with the part about you would expect some of these guys, Niang, one of the guys we talked about, to start making some more shots. That's not my advice to Philly, though, or, or I'm sorry, to, to Miami. My advice to them would be get your work done early. This is one where we start to look at 2-0. I'm not counting it out, especially if Joel Embiid, we don't know if he's back, but if he misses game three, you know, like you got to take advantage of that. You can't play around with this and let them get one of these without Joel Embiid. But more importantly, if you go up 3-0, you have a chance to close this out in four, and you look across and you see a Bucks celtic series that has the potential to be a deep one. We'll see. That's a much more competitive yeah. one. And whoever comes out of there might be just a little more fatigued. Get your work done early. I think for both the Western and Eastern Conference Finals, there's going to be a real advantage to the team that gets through this round quickly. It gets a little extra rest and preparation for the actual conference final. And if that's Miami taking care of business in four days where they get to sit back and watch and scout and prepare for their next opponent, I think that's a real advantage. That's a really good point. There's definitely urgency. You can win this series without ever having to play Joel Embiid and deal with that physical matchup, right? I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, let's go back to our uh, Western Conference series, the late game tonight on Friday. The Suns have rolled to a 2-0 lead as the series heads back to Dallas. My unsolicited advice for the Phoenix Suns, Adam, yeah. just keep that same energy, man. Just keep this energy. I love Devin Booker is back. They have a swagger about them. You've got Jay Crowder yes. screaming at people. You've got Chris Paul screaming at people. Uh, you're probably picking up a few too many offensive fouls, but I like the energy. I like the physicality. I like where they're going. It reminds me a little bit of the 2014 Spurs, a little bit, where they oh, lost no the way. finals. I know. came way. back, and no we're just way. like, by all means, we are winning this. We have a confidence about ourselves. You're not there with me? I'm with you in the confidence, but the keep the same energy, there's a different energy between it's a different energy. It's a different and this energy. Is not, and this is not a, like, I'm not, not one better than the other. I'm just saying it's a different approach because – the Phoenix Suns are the most disrespectful team left in the in the bat in, in the NBA. And I mean that with all due respect. I mean this as like a they should wear that with a badge of honor. What they did in that game last uh last night, this would be Wednesday night. Yeah. What they did in that game was downright disrespectful. They went right at Luca. They were talking the whole time and they absolutely smacked the Mavs in the fourth quarter and made it very loud and known that they have no respect for their opponent. And Here's the thing. They are good enough to do that. They mm-hmm. have earned the right to get to go out there and say, no, if you want to shut us up, you better beat us and you better make us shut up. Otherwise, we're going to pull you in ISO and put you in the spotlight and make everybody in the arena laugh and point at you. But here's the thing. Chris Paul's teams have had this energy before. Mm. Chris Paul's team, they haven't been this good. To his credit, they have never been as good as this Phoenix Suns team. This is the best team he's right. ever known. But yes. they've had this cocky, talk trash Willing to do like, I mean, Chris Paul had one of those where he drew an offensive foul on Jalen Brunson in the fourth quarter. Like he knows what he's doing. It kind of mm-hmm. goes and scores another bucket. He's had that energy before. If, and I don't know, I still t- think the Suns are now significantly better than the Warriors, especially without I'm Gary with Payton. I, I don't know that that series would even go be as close if that's how it were to, to play out. 
But nonetheless, keep that same energy when you go up against the ghost of Chris Paul past, when you have to go through <laughs> Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. I don't want to see a more reserved Phoenix Suns team. I want to see that same team because if you show any sign of, I'm not sure we can do that to these guys, I think you lose that swag. I like it. Keep the disrespect, respectfully. Keep the disrespect because <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. you guys have earned it. I like it. Uh, any unsolicited advice for the Dallas Mavericks? This is my best advice, I think, for I have for any of the teams here. The This is a breaking news to Dallas Mavericks fans. The Mavericks are not a title contender. The 2022 Dallas Mavericks are at least one year away from title contention, maybe next year. I mean, you never know. Sometimes teams have a crazy offseason and, and things come back. So let's throw out the idea of like, Oh, what can they do to win this series? Because it doesn't matter. They're going to lose it one way or another. Here's my advice. Luka Doncic needs this series so bad. And what do I mean by that? He got attacked in this last game. 50 times he got switched out onto the ball handler in that mm -hmm. game and attacked. And they clowned him. Great players have to be clowned. Michael Jordan had to be clowned by the Detroit Pistons. You hear the way uh, John Sally still talks about Michael Jordan? He still <laughs> talks about him like, oh, that bum. I don't know why everybody respects him. We used, to, we used to humiliate that guy. Every player has to go through it. And this is one where if I'm Luca, yes, you can point to, is my cast good enough? Do I have all these other guys? No, it's not. But block that out and just know that at some point in your career, the next version of Chris Paul or Devin Booker or whoever is going to look across and say, I can take that guy. And this is your prime getting ready for that next moment. You have to go through this step and it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. You have to, you have to go through it in order to reach the next level. I love that because, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about, Hey, Dallas should just go small, play Dorian Finney Smith at the five, kind of the same thing with the Sixers. Um, and you know, it's good to do that every once in a while, but I'm, I'm my, advi my unsolicited advice to Mavericks fans, or maybe just fans of NBA teams in general is, you know, in the playoffs, the 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 just apply to all situation solution is not right. always just go small, take your center off the floor for 48 minutes. Like it's just not. It's right. just not the way. Like I know we think that that's where basketball is going. It's not going that way, right. uh, and that's not going to work against Phoenix. So um, yeah, you can toy around with some more Doria face at the five. You can do this. You can do that. The Mavericks aren't winning the championship this year. They're a really good team. Congratulations. There's a really interesting offseason ahead for them. But and you've got maybe the best player left in the in in the Western Conference in Luka Doncic, and he is incredible. Uh, but you're right. Like he made it out of the first round. Congratulations. These are the the trials and tribulations that a star yeah. has to go through. To your point, uh, and Phoenix is just really good. Um, all right, let's shift to our last series: the Bucks and the Celtics, which has had overreactions from both sides of the spectrum after each of the first two games. We'll try to figure out who has the edge, but first. If you want the edge in sports betting, well, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. The Bucs and the Celtics are tied 1-1 going back to Milwaukee. Our unsolicited advice for this series. Where do you want to start with the Bucs or the Celtics? Um, you, I want to hear both of yours on this one, okay. to be honest. All right, I'll start with Milwaukee because it was just first on my notes, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, so 
Eric Neiman, the athletic wrote a, a nice little breakdown of a, a few adjustments. So I just stole this straight from him. <laughs> just being honest, but it was a good, it was a good point. More screens with Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton or Giannis. I'd like to see more of those kinds of actions because if you consider the Celtics defenders who have had the most success on Giannis, it's the big guys. It's Al Horford. It's Grant Williams. It's Robert Williams. Williams. Um, Grant Williams, who I don't know. Is he the best defender on his own team that had defensive player of the year? Just <laughs> I mean, um, he's Draymond-esque. I got to say, I give it up to Grant Williams, man. That guy, I love the way he guards. He got that comparison when he came out of Tennessee, and then he didn't live up to it for the first couple of years. But, like, newsflash, it takes a little while to be a great NBA player. Um, and he now and now he's, and now he looks really good. He's starting to live up to those expectations and those comparisons. Um, but you got to shift away from him, right? He's played so well on Giannis, and so has Al Horford, and so has uh, Robert Williams, throwing those big bodies, putting that wall, you know, in front of Giannis. That's typically what you do, especially with Chris Middleton not there. Um, and so they did have some success in the first couple games, actually trying to get smalls switched onto Giannis and then forcing the rotations. Now you're trying to scramble if you're Boston's defense, if you're using like Grayson Allen, who's been awesome in this series, a 40% three-point shooter. Um, if you have him switch uh, screening for Giannis on the perimeter, and now you've got to switch that if you're Boston, now you've either got uh, Giannis on one of your smalls, or you got to start scrambling, running Grant Williams back, having you know the small get back to somebody else and rotate and all these things. And then now you've got you know some offense starting to be created for you if you're the Bucks. So just more screens with Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton. That's my unsolicited advice. I like it. I think Maybe more minutes over Bobby Portis and, and Brooke Lopez too, by the way. But yeah. First of all, you're you're say you're stealing your takes from Eric Neem. That's a great person to steal from. He's a very smart, very good writer. So shouts yeah. to him. Uh, I like it. I think uh, it makes sense to me. I'm so curious that that might be the series I'm most curious for game three, because obviously you had dominant performances on each end. And unlike, I mean, you have a really close series in Golden State and and, uh, and the Grizzlies. Yeah. yeah, in Memphis, that that's a really good series as well. And I'm curious to see the, the game three there as well. But this is the one where the range of outcomes feels the most wide. Yeah. I have no feel for this series. And it was just fascinating from like a media standpoint too. After the Bucks won game one, everybody was like, well, it's over. The Celtics aren't who we thought they were. Right, and then yeah, the Vegas yeah. lines changed and all this stuff. And then the Celtics won game two. And I don't know about you, but everything I hear now is like, well, the Celtics have always had this in the bag. Game one was just an anomaly. <laughs> it was just a fascinating case yeah. study within like three days of how quickly things have changed from one end to the other. Um, my unsolicited advice for the Boston Celtics um, is just they had a lot of success just shooting those threes that Milwaukee is going to give up um, right. naturally. Now, I know that we always say like a Mike Budenholzer team will give up threes. I don't think that they wanted to give up that many threes and that many open threes, right? I think that there's obviously a line that they cross, and that was they probably crossed that threshold in game two. Um, so for the Bucks, you probably want to limit some of those looks. But if you're the Celtics, as long as you get them, keep shooting them. And I know that's kind of similar to the advice that you have for them. Well, mine is more of a, a defensive thing here, and, and it's that Giannis, because I uh, the shooting, okay, I can see that. I mean, I think it's funny when you talk about the knee-jerk reactions because one of the things that happened was Jalen Brown could not miss in the first half. Like, I don't know that right. you can count on that again. So this is why I don't think you can swing too hard in either direction. I think game three is going to take on its own personality and will be completely different from either one or two. But the thing for me is Giannis is a great player. He didn't necessarily have a great game in game two. Grant Williams did a great job. The Boston Celtics as a team did a great job on him. My advice is to stay the course because I think Giannis could come out in game three and have 50 points. It's just he's that good of a player. It might happen. 
with great players, I think there's always the tendency to, oh, they went off. What did we do wrong? That's not how yeah. it works. Sometimes a player is just too good. I think what Boston has done and figured out is the right thing with Giannis. And you just have to stick to it and ask yourself, can he do, can he have that 40 point dominant performance three more times in the series? My guess is no. I love Giannis. I think he's great. I think he's the greatest player in the NBA right now. I think it's Giannis. But I don't know that he can do that three times going forward against that defense. He might do it once. He might even do it twice. I don't see it three times. Stay the course. And if he does, then you're like, all right, we did our best. But that's the best player in the NBA across from us. So there was not much else we could do. I'm with you. Keep throwing Grant Williams at him, Robert Williams, Al Horford. Keep doing what you're doing defensively. It has been working um, as much as it possibly could. Uh, I'm with you there. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else? Yeah, I want to hear your quick predictions, though, for for those two series, <laughs> the two the two interest like I'm two interesting ones, the ones that aren't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where do we, what's game three look like? So for Warriors Grizzlies, I don't know what game three looks like. I really <laughs> want to see what I because this comes to that. I think the Grizzlies role players are actually going to get up and go, no matter if they're on the home at home or on the road. That Grizzlies team has so much confidence, and maybe it's not deserved yet but it doesn't matter because it exists yeah. and uh i don't think it matters to them whether or not they're playing in chase center or whatever the memphis one is called um but uh fedex fedex form um but with the warriors guys it kind of feels like they do like playing at home a little bit more their role yeah. players and like so I, in I particular i mean they need clay yeah. to get going. so i really don't know i really don't know where this is going to go and the gary payton the second thing injury just throws everything uh i but for the series I like the Grizzlies. Wow. I, really like I do. Wow. I like the Grizzlies in that series. I just don't know that they have an answer, the Warriors, for John Morant. I just don't know what the answer is right now with Gary Payton. I don't know what it is. How do you stop him? Um, I haven't yeah. seen it. You know, A little bit like Giannis with Ja, though. Does he very, have three more 46-point games in him? I mean, he might. He's that good, and he's that... His Based point, on how the Warriors have defended him, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They, there's not much resistance there. I mean, certainly the Celtics are giving Giannis much more resistance than what the Warriors are providing jaw. That was still a close game down the stretch. Clay Thompson has not hit the broadside of a barn yet. I mean, I think there are a lot of paths for Golden State. I'm going to take Golden State in game three. And I will, I'll say, I'll say this. I think the winner of game three in that series is very, very, very likely the winner. So if Memphis mm. does steal game three, I think I switch over to saying, I think Memphis wins the series. If Golden State wins it, which I expect they, they will, I think they're in the driver's seat and have a pretty good chance. The other way though, I'm going to go with Boston. I actually think game two, the game three will look more like game two, although not identical. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk, but I think it'll look a little bit more like game two than like game one. Still have no word on Chris Middleton as the time of us recording this, right? Yeah, yeah. we don't. Um, yeah, still out with an MCL sprain. It, if they get Middleton back, it changes everything because you can't just overload on Giannis. Now you've got the Chris Middleton, Giannis pick and roll and pick and pop and all that stuff. So I'm with I'm taking Boston this series. I don't know how game I could see the Bucks winning game three and Boston still winning this series. You know what I mean? I think it, maybe it's a little bit the opposite of the the Warriors Grizzlies series there. Um, but I'm I, I like I like your advice for the Celtics. Just you you've got a good process. Just trust the process for the Celtics. There you go. Um, all right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. Until next Friday, you can find me over at Locked On Heat and Adam over on Locked On Nuggets. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Talk to you, Adam. Adam.